I got the shooter's touch, can't nobody shoot like me Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one Better call on me, better call on me If you know you need a shooter I'm ice cold like a cooler Get you right though, I can tutor This that mic flow, I'm a hooper I got blue faces on blue faces Welcome in, Shooters, to another episode of the Shooters Touch Podcast. I'm Brian Claude, as always, joined by Adam Veet. We've said it a couple times now. It's March. It's our favorite month of the year, and things are really ramping up. And so we just wanted to take a minute here and jump on and kind of talk through some of the topics and some of the things that are going on uh, in the basketball world. We have a lot happening in our state. We just got done with the state tournament. We have March Madness coming, um, Black, Black Monday today in the coaching world. Um, a lot of changes, um, some big, some small, but uh, those dominoes will continue to fall now as, as teams are wrapping up their season and um, those positions start to open up and coaches shift around. And so we'll have a little bit more on that and we'll talk later in this episode about some of the moves that you've probably already heard, but uh, we'll kind of give our opinion where we're at on it. And, and so before we get too much further, I got to welcome my guy in, uh, as always, joined by Adam V. Adam, how are things going today? Great, great. As usual, like you said, Brian, a great time to be a basketball fan um, in the state of Iowa and just in, in general as well. NCAA tournament kicking off this week. We got brackets. Um, as you mentioned, just finished up the state tournament here in Iowa, uh, the boys state tournament. And uh, it's just overall great. You know, it's great to have the NCAA tournament back. Interested to see how that goes. Um, I did see here this afternoon that there are already three to four officials that are uh, out because of COVID. And so, um, yeah, like I said, just uh, really interested to see how that goes and uh, how things start to progress. Yeah, and we'll jump into March Madness and some of those changes and what to expect. But uh, let's recap a little bit and take a look back. Uh, we mentioned both state tournaments, both boys and girls, uh, have wrapped up here in the last couple of weeks. And I think the over overlying theme that we've taken away from uh, the last couple of weeks is that Waukee is really good at basketball. Yeah, they are. And I was at the uh, I was at the 4A state championship game against Johnston. Um, you know, I honestly feel like Johnston gave it their best effort, but uh, you know, just too much star power, too much firepower on Waukee's team. Um, and Coach Ole, uh, you know, a past guest of ours, did a great job game planning, and you know, just uh, he put together a great uh, put together a great team, and um, has some really good players on that team. And same can be said uh, about the girls' finals. Um, same two teams. We saw Waukee and Johnston in the finals of the, the girls' 5A. Same matchup that we saw last year as well. Um, this time, uh, decisively different. Um, Waukee came out and absolutely put the hammer to Johnston. Um, Johnston uh, struggled a little bit, I felt like, early. And then Waukee got hot and was just shooting the piss out of it. I mean, they were shooting – up over 85% um, from the floor and over 85% from three. Um, and it wasn't because of the lack of numbers either. They were putting them up. Waukee played really well. That was a team of destiny, a team that uh, um, has played together for a long time. Um, and they showed it. They showed it in that championship game and um, a nice a nice victory for them. Uh, and so they get the first place. Johnson takes the second this year. Um, flip-flop from from last year but uh yeah two two good teams um two teams that we know that we're going to see see again and have, have kind of built themselves into a nice program but uh you know continuing on the girls side as we move down so 4a we had the the ballard bombers ended up uh taking that state championship home and so um big kudos to them in the 3a unity christian 
Um, I believe it was a three seed in, the, in that. Um, ended up being state champions for the 3A level. And then 2A level, Dyke New Hartford, um, friend, of, friend of yours and a uh, guest of the podcast, uh, when it, uh, brought home the state championship in that one. Yep. And Bruce Dahl did a great job. Uh, had a really good team. You know, I went down to watch him a couple times, actually. And, uh, you know, they were, I believe, in each game they were down um, at some point in the first half and, and you know, came back to uh, win, win those games, obviously. But, uh, you know, we talked to him. He's a great basketball mind, a great coach and a great friend, as you mentioned. Um, so congrats, Bruce. And and to the Dyke New Hartford Wolverines um, on a on a great season and obviously a great ending to the season as well. Yeah, he mentioned when he was on the pod with us, he thought he had a pretty good team. He didn't know how good. Um, he might have been he might have been coaching talking coach talking us a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. um, a, a nice team and a nice uh, season for those guys. And then one uh, a in a little bit of a shocker, um, Newell Fonda got back to back. Uh, state championships uh, beat Algona Garrigan, the one seed uh, who Garrigan had taken it to Newell Fonda earlier in the year. And um, obviously things change a little bit later in the season. You get down at the well, but uh, I, yeah, I was impressed watching that game. Newell Fonda came out and, and really kind of took it to him early and, and, and Garrigan battled as they do and have some really talented girls as well. And so just came up a little bit on the short end. Um, it wasn't quite as exciting as last year's game, but uh, championship uh, again for Newell Fonda and, and the program that they have. Um, however, with uh, Audi and uh, a couple of the young girls that Gergen has, uh, I can go ahead and say that uh, you're going to see them back down in the state tournament probably at least two more years here coming up. Yep, and I, I watched that game as well. And, um, you know, you're right. I mean, Newell Fonda took it to them right, right out the gates. Um, and, uh, you know, half, halfway through second half, you know, Garrigan was fighting. Um, and they, as you mentioned, have a really good team, but uh, just uh, just couldn't pull ahead a enough or pull away enough to get that lead back. And uh, as you mentioned, Newell Fonda played a, played a great game, and they have a great team as well. Yep, that, uh, they've done a nice job of Newell Fonda and, and that group of girls uh, specifically. And so we'll, we'll see how they're able to refill. They seem to do it. And so uh, whether it's those two teams next year, I highly doubt it, but I, I would imagine Gary will be back. Um, with that, let's let's flip over to the boys' side. Uh, we mentioned it, obviously, the 4A. Uh, what I, I feel like is a, a surprise. I mean, Johnston has had a good team, a quality team all year. Uh, you know, beat Waukee early in the year um, when uh, – when uh, DeVries was out and so handicapped that as you will, but uh, you know, played well and, and got them early as their, as, as their only in league loss. And so um, we knew that they were a good team, but I guess I didn't see them getting through Cedar Falls. I thought things were set up to have Cedar Falls walkie in the finals. Um, obviously did not work that way. Johnson really kind of cranked up the defense here in March and um, found themselves in the finals against a really good, uh, a really skilled walkie team. And uh as I said to my dad afterwards, watching that game, it's, it's one of those deals where in a way it feels a little bit like watching the Warriors where if, if you're going to beat them, you know, you got to play two really good halves where they really only have to play one good half and uh, they just have the horses to do so. And that's pretty much what it came down to. They hung around in the first half and then kind of took over in the second. Yep. And you're exactly right. You mentioned it that, you know, Johnston played some, some tremendous defense, um, especially in that Cedar Falls game. But uh you know, to beat a team like Waukee, you do have to put together two halves. And I think I sent you a text at, at halftime of that game asking, you know, hey, can Johnston really do this? Um, and that was because of the fact that, hey, they played really good defense against Cedar Falls the entire game. And then that first half against Waukee, they seemed to be the better team. 
Um, however, you know, that second half, the, you know, Waukee um, and their stars just kind of turned it on and uh, just never looked back. And, you know, really, I could tell that they were, after halftime, they came out and said, hey, we got second last year. We know how that feels. We don't want that feeling again. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to lose this game. So great game, you know, and two great teams as, as well. So a fun ending to uh, the Boys State Tournament. And so one of the interesting things is we kind of stick on this Waukee is obviously with them going to two schools next year, um, splitting talent. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. I have a little bit more information as far as on the boys side. It sounds like talent's pretty much going to be split down the middle. Uh, they have a really good sophomore class, obviously Omaha and um, Sanford are in that class, but uh, they have a really good sophomore class with a lot of talent. So this is a team if, if stuck together, obviously next year, maybe a little bit of bumps, but uh, could be really good uh, in two years, but obviously not going to have the opportunity with them going to two schools. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that talent shakes out. Um, honestly, can't speak to the coaches. I don't know where that's going to all um, go, um, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see both the boys and as well as the girls, obviously the girls program uh, over the last five, six years has really built into a nice program as well. Um, again, don't know rumor mill has that their head coach going Northwest. Um, but again, I, nothing's confirmed, nothing that I know of, but it'll be interesting to see how that split works. Yep. And, you know, I, I'm assuming that those, uh, that the choice to make another high school didn't really involve athletics, um, you know, on that front. So, it will be interesting. And, you know, with, with Ankeny a couple of years ago, how that happened, you know, with the, um, how they split things up and you know, how, how long will it take to build back up? Cause you know, Waukee, obviously large community, uh, you know, tons and tons of kids. So there will be, you know, more, more talent coming up, you know, how long does that take each, each high school to kind of build back up to where they are at now? Yeah, obviously it didn't, it didn't take Ankeny Hawks all that long to, to find themselves in the winner's circle. So we'll, we'll see what Waukee's able to do. But as we continue to move down the board, then um, we have in the 3A class, um, Pella with a nice win. Um, a ton of athletes over there at Pella. Uh, if you saw any highlights or any games of those, those guys uh, are big, fast, and strong and um, was able to surpass a, a really nice Ballard team. I mean, we talk about the communities that are really good at basketball. Ballard would be in there. Both boys and girls uh, have some nice programs. And so congrats to Pella on their win. At the 2A level, we had uh, Western Christian, uh, a little bit of a no surprise there. I mean, Western Christian, it's, it seems like the, the program that you often forget about because they're obviously over on the Western side of the state and maybe don't get the same coverage. And continue to make their way to Des Moines and continue to, to pile up wins, both boys and girls side, um, have, have a nice program going there. And, um, we, we, a couple of more guests of the pod, more specifically AP and, uh, a buddy of yours that, uh, put together a nice season for, for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, AP, well, it didn't end, end like they would, um, or like they would have, would have liked it to, um, had a, had had a couple really good games and you know Jaden Mackey uh who is a junior for um AP he played some really good games I mean the first game scored um I believe maybe 33 or 34 points um second game mid-20s uh you know so another guest of the pod Brooks McCowan you know my buddy from college uh head coach Upper Iowa um has has Mackey committed to him so that's a big get for him I think he just has so much elevation on his jump shot. He's, you know, super athletic, super smooth with the ball, can finish around the rim. So, you know, another good recruit here for Upper Iowa. So that'll, uh, 
you know, help them here in the coming years. But I think that they have quite a bit of, of a talent coming back at Appleton Parksburg too. So um, AT will be, will be a force to be reckoned with here in the, here in the upcoming years as well. Yeah. I, I, I picked up a little bit of uh, maybe some poor man's Marcus, Marcus page vibes um, from, from him. I just, like you mentioned, kind of the, the elevation and the smoothness in this game and his ability to kind of go out and get buckets. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to, to see how that shakes out. And obviously Brooks is, is more than welcoming to, to get a kid like that on campus. So, yeah. And actually he, uh, while I was sitting with him watching those games, he was kind of, I, I asked him if, uh, if he had any other, other offers or any schools looking at him and he told me to not talk about it, not jinx it. So, um, you know, he had that good of a tournament that, uh, he may be a little bit worried about it, but, uh, you know, I um, I don't I don't know much about the Mac Mackey family or the Mackey kid, but I'm assuming that you know once a once a commitment, that's a that's his word. So he'll be in Fayette here in a couple of years. That's great. It's it's always fun with those lower levels when you kind of razzing with some of the coaches because they they're all they all they want them to play well. They they really do, but they don't want to play too well. Right. Yeah, especially exactly. when you get state tournament, you get on a big stage and. You know, they've been putting in work. They've been, they've been going to home games. They've been going to these road games, and all of a sudden you get down and a kid blows up at the state tournament and maybe gets away from you. That's uh, that's never a lot of fun for some of those coaches. But, um, well, nonetheless, taking a look then at the the final one, the 1A, um, big surprise, actually, uh, and maybe not for people who followed 1A closer uh, than we did, but uh, Montezuma in the seventh seed coming out, getting the state championship, uh, beating number one Northland. Uh, in the finals, 44-41. And so uh, congrats to that Montezuma team and uh, a state championship for them as well. Yeah, and, you know, that, that, that's another one that I was uh, watching with Brooks. Um, he has a Hilmer kid coming there, um, North Lynn, another one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I mean, you know, like similar vibes to Wapsie Valley last year, uh, you know, coming in as the eighth seed and, uh, you know, upsetting their way to a state championship. So, um, you know, kind of funny that it, that it, that it happened a couple of years in a row, but yeah, um, obviously if you win a state title, you're, you're at least an above average team. So, you know, Montezuma is no slouch, but, uh, yeah, good for them. And, uh, you know, kind of a, a good, um, you know, on the parody side of things for, for one, a basketball. Yeah, absolutely. A um, message to all those 1A basketball is just find get your get yourself to the well and uh, and see what happens because obviously seedings seedings don't seem to matter. So, well, congratulations to all those teams and uh, a wonderful year. We're we're thankful that we were able to get the season in. Um, it was great to see some fans down at the well. Uh, while it maybe wasn't what it's been in years past, just having having fans that are being able to cheer and watch their teams and 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 some teams pick up some some big victories was 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 a lot of fun. That's for sure. And so. Uh, with that, let's jump into a quick break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Hawks and the Bulldogs and what the March Madness is going to look like. WB Realty, Central Iowa's premier real estate brokerage. WB has all the tools and the resources needed to make your next real estate transaction your best. Go to wbrealty.com to find out more information today. Welcome back in shooters. Let's uh let's take a look at this bracket. We have March Madness coming. Bracket was released yesterday. Um Bulldogs may be sweating it a little bit. I certainly don't think that they should have. I, I thought that uh uh they should have been a lock uh in getting in and obviously we didn't have to wait long to see see them make the bracket. And you know, I 
I don't mind the matchup, uh, Wichita State and an old, uh, an old Mo Valley um, matchup here. I would have personally would have liked to have seen the Colorado State matchup. I would have liked to have seen Colorado State Drake uh, get a little Nico Nedved um, against the Bulldogs. I thought that would have been fun just from a, from a personal storyline standpoint. Um, but I'll be interested to see uh, what the Wichita State matches up. Looks like uh, last I saw the Bulldogs are a two-point dog. Um, what do you think? What do you think with those two teams matching up, Adam? Yeah, obviously interesting matchup. Uh, you know, as you kind of mentioned, two former Missouri Valley schools. I would love to know because I think Drake was the last team that was in um, who who got an NCAA tournament. Would love to know how injuries play into the committee selection because obviously Roman Penn's out, Hemp Hill was out uh, last whatever it was five or six weeks. Um, so would love to know what 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 kind that goes into because I I agree. I mean, with that record. You know, the only blemish that they have on that is the fact that their non-conference was, I think, over 250 um, in the net rankings, which, you know, you can kind of control that, kind of can't control that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're good enough to be in, and I think that's a great matchup. I think they're going to get past the Shockers, um, you know, if nothing else, because of the, um, you know, the experience that Drake has. Um, I think that, you know, outside of uh, – outside of good coaching outside of, you know, talent that the players have, I think they have that experience, you know, maybe not in the NCAA tournament, you know, but they, they do play kind of a, um, a more mature basketball, it seems. So I, I like, I like the Bulldogs in that matchup. You know, and uh, to, for no other reason other than I think of those two teams, Drake's more excited to be there. Um, you know, I would tend to lean towards Drake as well. Um, I think that they're going to come ready to go. They're excited to be there. We've talked multiple times on this podcast how well coached they are. Uh, so they're going to be prepared and they're going to come ready to go. And so, so obviously hoping and, and wishing for the best. See your point as far as injuries go. I mean, yeah, it's, it's something we're at full strength. I mean, this team is um, you know, as, as, as good as any in that, I would say six and below line, uh, to be honest with you. And so, um, but that's part of basketball and obviously dealing with those injuries, um, is something that, uh, some opportunities for some other kids obviously have come to the forefront. And so it'll be fun. Well, that be, I believe the, is that the first game that kicks off for us on Thursday? Um, to be honest, is, I do not know. I think it, I think it might be. And so I know it's Thursday. I don't know if it's the first yep. one in the lineup or not. But um, so that'll be fun. It'll be it'll be fun to see. Uh, like I said, I know they're excited, and so it'll be a, a good matchup. And then the winner will get to take on USC, um, which you know anything can happen when you get to that point. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see how the transition and everything works. Um, obviously, I'm so used to these games being on Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday being the big. And so everything's moved back a little bit. That's going to be get a little, uh, take a little getting used to. Um, but this whole year, that's all it's been. It's a, a little getting used to. Um, the fact that they're doing this all in one city feels a little wild to me. Um, a couple of years ago, having the opportunity to go up to the final four and just seeing four teams in Minneapolis. I mean, that was wild. Obviously, it's not going to be that capacity, but now all of a sudden you get 68 teams in one city. Um, I mean, that Indianapolis has got to be just a zoo. Yeah, a fun zoo, though. Um, I would absolutely love to be there. And yes, I think that, um, you know, the fact that we made it here is a win. Um, and like I said before, at the start of the episode, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how things go in Indianapolis, uh, you know, with with protocols and stuff like that. Um, you know, because you're bringing all these people from different areas into one one spot, no matter how big the city is, no matter how many locations there is, there's, uh, you know, you're coming in contact with 
with, you know, people and, uh, you know, aspects of things that, that you wouldn't at home or traveling to an arena and, and then leaving right away. So I'd be interested to see how it goes, but my fingers are definitely crossed that we, uh, we get to complete this thing here in three or four weeks. This is going to be like the biggest AU tournament ever. Everybody just crashing. And so it'll, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a ton of fun to see what happens. And um, so with that, then we got to take a look at the, the two seed in the West, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, I was obviously expecting and pleased with, with the, the two seed um, and the matchup, you know, obviously don't know a lot about Grand Canyon. Um but outside of the, the Cinderella man himself is, is the head coach. Um, so whether or not he, he can pull a rabbit out of his hat, I, I guess I highly doubt it. Um, but stranger things have happened. Um, what I'm probably a little bit more concerned about for the Hawks is that second round matchup, assuming Oregon um, makes it through. I, I mean, Oregon feels a little underseeded. And so I don't love that uh, two seven matchup for the Hawks because um, that Oregon, you know, they had a little bit of a shutdown or they started late out there on the West coast. And so, um, you know, maybe we just don't know enough about them and, and what things look like, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, see how things shake out for the Hawks. Yeah. And I uh, w- would agree with you um, about Oregon. You know, I think that I've mentioned it a couple times on here. I think that if, any team shoots well or is on on the offensive end they can potentially beat Iowa because of you know their uh you know how they play defense or how they don't play defense however you want to look at it um however you know I have honestly I think the biggest challenge for Iowa is going to be that KU game um and and even I mean depending on who's playing for KU you know with the with the COVID shutdown here in the big 12 tournament, you know, the expectation was that that may, or at least my expectation was maybe they wouldn't even even able to play in the NCAA tournament. So be interested to see that. I know they got a couple of weeks before they play them, but uh, I got them moving on all the way to uh, um, all the way to face the Zags. And uh, that's a very interesting matchup too, because of the fact they played earlier in the year, um, watch that game. And that was one of those games that Zags didn't miss many. And, you know, it didn't seem like I was playing that good of defense, but also, you know, you think about it, that, that Gonzaga was, was hitting a lot of shots. So um, interesting matchup there. I got the Zags moving on, but uh, you know, still, uh, even if that is the case, still a great season for Iowa, you know, man, it's uh, been a heck of a ride um, here this year for Hawkeye fans for sure. Yeah. Fingers crossed, obviously at this point, uh, the, the Hawks, we've kind of said it all year. They can, they can play with anybody. I'm, I'm not worried about that, but uh, they've also shown the fact that uh, maybe not can get beat by anybody, but there's a lot of teams that can beat them too. If, if, if they're not clicking on all cylinders and um, you know, I think a perfect example of that uh, would be one of the teams that I would not want to face in this whole bracket. And that's Illinois um, that, that game the other night um, or afternoon, I guess it was, but uh I mean, they have the size to match up with Garza inside, um, kind of neutralize him. And then their guards, obviously one of Iowa's weaknesses, athleticism. And they have, <laughs> they have some athletic guards that can obviously get up and down and just create problems for the Hawks. And so if the Hawks run into anybody like that, that, uh, you know, can have somebody that can kind of keep Garza in check and um, have the athletes out on the wings and then, then they have their hands full. They gotta, they gotta hope that that shooting travels, but uh you know, as we as we just go down uh, through the lineup here a little bit, uh, this this East region, um, you mentioned it kind of earlier. How how do injuries 
uh, play a part in selections. And I guess my question would be with Michigan getting a one seed down in the East um, in the injury that they suffered here in the big 10 tournament uh, is interesting. I think of those one seeds, probably the most vulnerable one would be Michigan, obviously not at full strength. They've had, you know, they've had a, a, had a, had a great year, obviously regular season, big 10 champions. And so still not a team that maybe I would want to pick to play, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you have Florida state, down there in that region, um, Texas, who looked really good. Um, we're going to get into coaching here in just a minute. Shaka Smart probably coaching his way off of that hot seat. Um, watch that team win the Big 12 uh, tournament here this weekend, and I was impressed. They have they have some athletes that can go and, and some guys that really kind of understand the game. And, I mean, and then you have Alabama down two seed. I like Alabama. Um, I like what I saw this weekend as well. And so – I don't know. I haven't heard a lot about that East region, but something that I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you talk about how the, um, how Michigan might be the most vulnerable number one, number one seed. I would, I would agree with you that, I mean, that injury delivers, he, I think he averaged maybe 14 points a game um, out for the rest of the year, obviously out for the tournament, but, you know, I would honestly put Michigan number one in that, in that line. And then probably Baylor at a close second, um, that COVID shutdown really, really, really hurt them. It seemed, um, you know, watching a couple of, of their games after that, um, you know, just didn't seem like they were clicking. Obviously their offense has kind of suffered, uh, but they still have the, I believe the highest percentage three point shooting backcourt in America, which obviously is a good thing. Um, however, you know, you're playing in, in, in different arenas, potentially bigger arenas that, you know, shooting uh, is a little bit tougher in those arenas. So I would, I would agree with you with Michigan, the top seed uh, is most vulnerable, but I would put, uh, put as Baylor and the bears uh, right behind them at number two, but either way, two really good basketball teams. Um, and as you kind of mentioned with, with Michigan, probably not two teams that I would pick to play. No, def- definitely not. And so then looking at the Midwest, it's kind of funny. We reference these cause we always do, but it makes little to no difference now what region you know normally that was a big deal oh jesus team's got to go all the way out to the west or whatever right. but um obviously it doesn't matter with everyone playing in indy this year but looking at that mid midwest i mean illinois and houston that's those top two seeds yeah i mean that no thank you i don't want to play either one of those teams yeah. and so um even loyola a tough draw against a kind of a feisty georgia tech team and so I'll be interested to see how the old rambling wreck uh, do in that game. But um, and then Oklahoma State, obviously, those guys can score in bunches too down there. Um, who else we have? We have West Virginia, uh, Clemson. Um, I, I mentioned, yeah. So I, you know, I think, I, you know, in years past, it's kind of, and I think that we're still going to see a lot of upsets. But I mean, I would have a tough time going against a lot. Of, I mean, past a three seed honestly, really to make it to the final four. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think you're exactly right. When, when we look at all these brackets and if you're thinking about, Hey, who is the biggest upset that could potentially happen on that first line? Um, honestly, when I'm, when, when I'm looking down here, I'm thinking maybe Virginia tech beating Florida as a 10 seed, um, you know, Eastern Washington, as, as much as I hate to say that, that, that um, it could be an upset against KU, you know, they score a ton. Um, I watched actually the finals game uh, of their conference and, uh, and they score, they, they score a lot. They're a good basketball team, but you know, when you're, when you're actually picking these games, you know, you, you look at all the 12, five matchups. Um, honestly, I don't know if any of, 
any of that's going to happen this year. But I would say probably the biggest upset that I could say is Virginia Tech as a 10 seed beating Florida as a 7 seed. Yeah, it, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see how this works out and what the fan situation looks like. It sounds like tickets are going um, exclusively through the schools. Um, I don't know. I didn't hear a number on how many or what that's going to look like. But uh, regardless, we, we said it multiple times. We're just glad that we have basketball. We're just glad that we have a bracket. I mean, to think, uh-huh. that, to think that we didn't even have a bracket last year. We didn't even have an opportunity to do this or talk through any of it. Um, it's just crazy. And so while we maybe aren't there yet, um, we're, we're taking steps towards it and, and just glad we get an opportunity to, to have a little March Madness and watch some basketball for, for several days in a row. Um, that's for sure. So, well, with that, let's take a, a one more quick break and then let's jump in and talk about some of the coaching changes that happened uh, today. We'd like to take a second before this episode to thank our sponsor for this episode, Iowa Sports Supply. Iowa Sports Supply is locally owned and operated and has been providing quality sporting goods, uniforms, and corporate apparel for high schools, colleges, corporations, and Iowa communities for over 60 years. With your next team or corporate need, please visit iowasports.com. Welcome back, Shooters. Today, throughout the coaching community, is known largely as Black Monday. It's kind of that Monday after Selection Sunday in which that team's uh, seasons are finally coming to an end and, and starting to put a bow on things. And um, from what I've heard, too, of talking with some of my contacts, that uh, if, you, if you're in the market and, and you're looking for a coaching position, uh, the Final Four is the place to be. Um, obviously, networking and connecting with different coaches and who needs a guy and I got a guy and here's what's going on. And so we're 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 uh, coming up on that. And so those of you out there looking to make a move or looking for a GA position uh, might try to find a way to get to Indianapolis and uh, see what you can shake out. But uh, so today going through, uh, we had some hirings, uh, more firings. Uh, we did have an extension. Um, Fran, Fran McCaffrey got uh, locked down through 2008 or 2028. Um, and so they, they added on to his contract, um, which great, I guess, maybe a little premature. would have liked to have seen what, how, how the next couple of weeks go, but, uh, uh, got him, got him locked down. It's kind of the, the, the cost of, uh, or the price of success, I guess, with that. But, um, on the maybe not so successful side, Archie Miller, I think is probably the headliner. Um, you know, many saw it coming, but, uh, his exit from Indiana, opens up uh, one of the prestigious jobs in the country. Yeah, one of the of the few that a lot of coaches would leave for. Um, and he, honestly, kind of a surprise to me, you know, when he when he got the job there, um, you know, a fiery guy, a very passionate guy. Um, in my in my mind, I thought that's what that school needed was was, you know, somebody who could be the face of that school and, you know, really uh, I obviously bring them to, to the next level. But it just didn't happen. It didn't seem to click. I know there were, if I recall, there were a couple freshmen that left after their freshman year that maybe weren't expected to do that. And that always makes, that always makes it tough. I mean, we'll talk obviously here soon, but, you know, Steve Prohm had that happen as well. Um, that's just tough luck, you know, that uh, you got to regroup and re um, and, and reload and sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. So yeah, that, uh, that job is open. And as you mentioned, one of the most prestigious in America. 
which I, you know, I gotta be honest, as far as that goes, I understand kind of why, but I mean, Indiana, the Indiana coaching job is not like what it used to be. You know, it's kind of one of those things that I feel like we're holding on to it a little bit and wanting this to be a prestigious program. Um, but I mean, they've, they're just so far from it. And so the fact that, you know, we're, we keep holding it in high regard in a place that uh, obviously has a ton of tradition, a ton of history, but I mean, when you start to look through the landscape of the college game, I mean, there's really nothing that really stands out to me. And so it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I saw um, a few names that got, uh, that got thrown around um, as far as for uh, that position and, and who they're looking at. Um, Chris Beard from Texas Tech, I think, was probably the biggest one that I saw. Um, love that guy. And so that would be interesting if he ended up leaving Texas Tech. But, uh, yeah, obviously still still in high regard, an interesting position to see what, uh, what will happen there. Um, and so who knows? But uh, a couple other ones then. Uh, Richard Pacino, I, I, as we're recording this, I guess I'm not 100% sure if that has been finalized. I actually just got a notification on my phone, Brian, that it has been finalized. Okay. It, it, it sounded like it was all but done, but uh, okay. So, so confirmed on, on Patino's exit from, from Minnesota. I thought I had heard rumors, maybe him down interviewing in New Mexico or something already too. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see how that um, shakes out. And then I actually saw an interesting, I think tweet today that said, how weird would it be if Rick Patino replaced Richard Patino? up in minnesota yeah um yeah i mean i wouldn't wouldn't put it put it put it uh put it past rick that's for sure um that boy kind of jumps on any opportunity i feel like but anyway um yeah and you know obviously uh i don't know and i was never a richard patino fan uh never never met the guy never talked to the guy but just kind of how he carries himself on the sidelines so um you know another one i mean it's Minneapolis, uh, you know, a big, big hotbed basketball, Big Ten, uh, so a big, a big job opening. And um, you know, as a, as a Panther grad, as a, a UNI fan, I feel I should mention that I've heard rumors that that's one job that possibly Coach Jacobson would leave for. Um, so my fingers are crossed right now that that's just rumors, and maybe it's a false rumor, but. Um, Either way, a big opening and, um, you know, a big firing here on, uh, as we, like you said, as we like to call it, Black Monday. Yeah, it'll be, oh, Coach Jake, obviously he's been, his name's been mixed into what feels like every coaching vacancy ever. Um, and obviously we've known he's continued to uh, to stay with the Panthers. And hopefully that's the case too. I know that he obviously loves Cedar Falls and um, there's something to be said about a little bit of job security and, um, but there's always that itch too. And so I, you know, I can't, can't speak for him. I don't know what his ambitions and goals are, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And again, Minnesota, another one of those positions where, I mean, Minneapolis, and like you mentioned, they don't seem to always keep those kids around for one reason or another, but, um, I don't know. I, it, again, not a lot of appeal for me, um, up, up and up for that Minnesota position, but, uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, big one, local one. Obviously, we, we had this a little bit further down the list because it wasn't official when we started recording um, or it happened just as we were recording. But uh, Steve Prohm, I think we saw this one coming. I would say that maybe the only hang up or, or the reason why we waited um, is the fact that uh, 
um, just schedules timing more than anything. But uh, I do think that the $5.3 million buyout had probably had a little something to do with this as well on why uh, they tried to carry it out and hopefully negotiate something, uh, an athletic program that uh, is wheeling a little bit with um, the improvements they've done. And then obviously COVID, but uh, you know, Steve Prom, I've said it before on here. It's, it, it's not that he's a, a, a bad basketball coach. I just don't think he's the right fit for Ames. Yeah. And that's, you know, it, as you mentioned, we waited a while, I feel like for this. Um, and, you know, after talking to some Iowa state fans here during this past week, since the big 12 tournament um, was over or their season got over uh, you know, just lots of questions about why have, why are we waiting so long? But like you said, I, I feel like exactly like you mentioned that it's just uh just was a schedule conflict and that, it need to happen. I mean, you know, you don't win any games in Big 12 play. Uh, there's, there is, you know, something drastically wrong with that scenario. And, you know, probably a, a head, a head, a head coach needs to leave in that scenario. But um, yeah, I mean, heard, heard a couple names flying around here. Uh, one here to our Iowa State fan listeners, that's maybe kind of obvious, but Otzelberger um, was insisting under, under Hordberg, uh, as is, is at UNLV right now. Had a very successful run at South Dakota State after Iowa State. Um, I'd be interested to see what they do with that, uh, primarily because he had a he had a couple of good years at South Dakota State, but he also had Mike Dom on the team, who was one of, if not the best player in America uh, when he was up in Brookings, and now at uh, UNLV, a couple of mediocre seasons. So we'll see um, how that plays out. But um, one name that I have heard uh, that maybe is a rumor as well, but, um, but Dana Altman um, at, at, at Oregon, what I've heard is that he would love to get back to the Midwest. Um, he doesn't like it out there in the, um, in the rain, I guess, the clouds in the rain in Oregon, but uh, that would be an interesting hire too. Uh, you know, at Creighton had tons of success at, uh, at, 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 at Creighton, but also at Oregon. You know, I believe he made a Final Four when when he was uh, when he was coach of the Ducks. So a couple of names there. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure they'll do. A, um, I'm sure there'll be more more added to the list once uh, once the next couple of days roll around. But yeah, you know, good job, uh, great environment there, um, and they've obviously shown that they can get some players there in Ames. I, th- I think it's funny that uh, you didn't throw the mayor on that list of possible candidates. I've also heard that he's a he's a no way back in Ames. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, that's... I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to divulge my source, but uh, but that's what I heard, I guess. I I don't see where that would be a good fit or a good situation either. It's just kind of that ship has sailed, and so no, I agree. I mean, I think that uh, there's some names out there that w- would be interested in in some fitting candidates. Um, again, you run into a money issue too with what these guys' current contracts are and what that buyout would look like. And I mean, it's going to, it's going to come down to money. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, but I agree. I mean, it's something that you can have a down year, like you're allowed to rebuild a little bit, but you cannot win a game. I mean, two games all year. That's just yeah, off a couple W's at least. That's, that's not, uh, not going to cut it at a program like that and a, a, a tradition like that. And so uh, cost them a lot of money to, to buy them out, but it would cost them probably even more if they held them on and, and, and boosted and, and season tickets. And so uh, it'll be interesting to follow that. And obviously um, I would imagine most of our listeners will be following that pretty closely, but uh, two other names that I have that um, at least noted a little bit of a hot seat 
um, notable names, I guess, Bruce Weber uh, out of Kansas State. I haven't heard a ton about that. That maybe, you know, know, it's kind of maybe not, maybe a warm seat. And then uh, Mike Bray at at North, uh, sorry, Notre Dame as well. And so it'd be interesting to kind of see um, how things shake out. And, you know, we kind of talked about it in the intro, but dominoes kind of start to fall all over and who's taking who and who's going where. Um, I mean, this isn't a one day thing. I mean, this is going to, this is going to be the next, next month or two um, before these guys can get out on the recruiting trail to let, let some of these dominoes fall. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it, uh, you know, with Richard Patino that, you know, you, and whether it's true or not, you know, he had already interviewed at New Mexico, you know, are these coaches, planning ahead and saying, okay, I didn't have the best year, you know, am I going to wait around to be fired and then get fired? And there's no, no, no jobs open. Um, so are they planning ahead? Are they kind of taking that initiative to say, okay, what, uh, what's my current situation and can I find a better, a better possible fit? And so, um, you know, I think you're exactly right. Those two names that you mentioned uh, are probably the, the hottest seats out there that, that are still, um, or who still have a job. And it'll be interesting to see. Yes, I mean, a lot of these ADs like to make a move pretty quickly because then they can hopefully start the search and find somebody before recruiting starts, or at least at least you know during recruiting time, so they can say, "Hey, here's our head coach. Um, you know, we we have a head coach that you can come play for." Um, so yeah, the next couple of weeks, I think, outside of outside of today, will be will be very interesting to see where those. Uh, where those coaches land, where those dominoes fall, and you know who who goes and uh, who doesn't. You know, I, d- I definitely don't want to start any rumor mills on, on the podcast here, but uh, as you were talking, I, I gotta gotta give a shout out to another good coach in, in front of the pod, um, Jeff Horner, and what his team's doing down at Truman. Um, those guys are just rolling. They're what one one game away? Is that what is, it, is that yeah. where they're at now? Yeah, game away. And so just, I mean, we had him on early in the year as they were just kind of getting things going. I know he was excited about the team, a lot of Iowa kids down there. Uh, good thing, good things going for them. We're obviously following along with that and hoping, hoping that all, that all works out for him. And, uh, you know, we talked about the state tournament again, another guy that has a heavy uh, influence on, on the state tournament and some of the kids that both him and Brooks are, are, are pulling away. Uh, it'll be fun to, fun to continue to watch with that but uh and and speaking of that I mean you know the big thing with college coaches is is recruiting um but that even I know we've brought it up on the pod that's going to look extremely different this summer um obviously from a U event type of situation but from a scholarship standpoint I mean with the waiver uh who's coming back who's not I mean some of these coaches are going out maybe looking for one kid two kids it's it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out yeah absolutely and and I mean, not even to mention, you know, the kids that they're going out to find, but, you know, these kids that have already committed, these athletes that have already said, yes, I'm coming, I want to play for you. And will they have enough scholarships with, with you know, some of the seniors coming back? I know that, you know, specifically speaking to you and I, I know Taiwan Pickford's coming back um, and they're, they're evaluating, um, they're e- evaluating Burhouse, you know, the possibilities overseas. Um, or potential fitters there, you know, however, I mean, I can, I can definitely see him coming back. So then you have two scholarships that you were expecting to have uh, open at the end of last year. And so, I mean, it'll college coaches and institutions will feel the effects of this for probably five or six years to come, just because of those numbers available um, 
a scholarship that they have. And it'll be interesting to see who, how they play that, you know, because, you know, you're talking to athlete number one, you're saying, hey, you have a scholarship. And then athlete number one comes on campus, like, well, we don't have any left. So you at least have to walk on for one year or whatever that is. And then how is that going to affect that, that, um, that athlete's decision? And, you know, are they going to stay? Are they going to go? So it'd be interesting to see uh, how that, how that affects a lot of teams, honestly. It will. And it, it like you said, it's going to kind of trickle down too. Um, I, I think you're going to see it. You'll see it at all levels. Um, and whether or not that kind of helps or boosts up some of the lower levels, I mean, that, that would be great. Um, you know, something the D3 level that has maybe struggled a little bit uh, here in recent in recent years with uh, NAIA and D2s and some of the places that can offer more money, um, you know, with, with the prices at the D3 level just kind of getting out of hand. And so maybe maybe a few more kids fall to them, junior college route as well. Uh, maybe you see some of them uh, follow them, which, which, by the way, I was looking at the junior college schedules. I mean, those guys still... Um, the local teams, they still have a solid month of basketball laps. Like they go into, they're going into April. And so um, if you're still got a little itching to, to check out a basketball game, I mean, I'd maybe look a little closer at that junior college schedule. Yep. Yeah. And those, we've talked about it many times. There's some great basketball there. Um, you know, that a lot of athletes don't, you know, when we, when we were talking to, you know, Jack Brownlee, uh, he mentioned it. So go back and listen to that episode that, you know, the JUCO level, deciding to go to JUCO is not a bad thing. Um, those one or two years that you spend there is, you know, I mean, I redshirted when I went to UNI, and I would not give that, give that redshirt year back because I learned so much. I gained so much weight. Uh, just, you know, just I, I, I honed my craft, honed my game so much, so much during that time. And that's what JUCO is. You know, you play against good competition. Uh, you know, you get to learn the game on a college level. And then after that, you can – you know, open up, open up your recruiting again, or whatever you might call it that, uh, you know, you could, uh, you could make the move to a bigger school to a better school to, you know, a uh, higher level school, but you know, that we have some good basketball in JUCO and the junior college level as well. You're right. Well, and I think uh, another thing too, that's becoming more and more popular um, and obvious um, and obviously that is uh, the grad um, or a uh, post-grad um, mm -hmm. You know, and obviously with the Murray, uh, the Murray boys doing a post-grad year and, and Kenyon came on and, and talked on our podcast about how invaluable that was to those boys. And, and I, we're seeing that obviously watching the Hawks too. Um, and just the strength and growth that those guys have had from, from going and, and, and spending that post-grad year. Uh, I think you'll see a little bit more of that too, because you're going to have kids, as we mentioned, who were maybe, you know, bubble going to get a scholarship now all of a sudden you're bumped when when a senior comes back or or whatever the situation is and so uh they're gonna be fighting for spots um should be fun and interesting to watch it kind of it's kind of the the season after the season with with these coaching changes and with these athletes moving around but uh it just it just means more basketball uh more things to follow for us and and hopefully more uh shooter such podcasts coming your guys's way too and so if you've held on and listened this long uh we appreciate it uh we really do we appreciate you listening we love the feedback uh any interaction um that you guys have with us it, it's been fun um we, we've really enjoyed it um we thank you again for listening um, and catch us on all of our social media. Um, even if you didn't listen all the way through and you catch it in or you miss whatever, jump on, give it a five-star review, drop a comment, whatever it is, because those things help us a ton, and, and we appreciate your support. And uh, as always, Adam, uh, what do they say? Shooters, shoot.